Well, welcome to the very first 11 a.m. service for 2020. It's so good to have you here. It's so good that you decided to be in church. We love it when you're in church. And uh, I'm more passionate than ever that regular uh, church attendance is, is what so many families and people need more than anything else on the planet right now. And so we're going after that. We're passionate about that. So well done for being in church. And really, we're, we do our best to create services that are not a drag to be at, so that you actually want to be in church, right? And uh, it's like, oh man, I've got to go to church. But it's good. We, we had an amazing 9 a.m. service this morning, packed out service and salvations and the power of God was moving and it was awesome. And then I've been in Cambridge as well this morning. It's going great out there. And it's just awesome to be a part of such a, an amazing church that God is breathing on. So we're in, uh, we've been doing Summer Chapel. I, I've loved Summer Chapel where 10 a.m. we all come together and, and a big family together. Uh, we would love to be able to continue doing that throughout the year. Unfortunately, at this point in time, our facilities don't give us the freedom to be able to do that together all in one place. And I know the kids' leaders and others have just been crying out for, for the double services to start. And so already this morning, we've, we've certainly, there's many more people in church this morning than what we could fit in this building in one. So we made the right call to go back to doubles. And who knows, one day in the future, uh, we'll see what God does. And maybe we'll, we'll have a facility where we can all gather together as one big family again, which would be awesome, right? But this works well. And uh, I, I've loved the Summer Chapel Hope Groups leading worship. I think that was a great call. Dan and Zoe had hope groups. I got to play the guitar, which was fun. Uh, still got uh, sore fingers from that. It was weeks ago, and uh, my calluses came a little late. You know, it was like, oh, they're so sore. And then I got calluses. Oh, that's a lot of good that is. I have to join the worship team. And then we had Pastor Steve leading worship last Sunday, which is awesome. Great throwback. Uh, not a setback or a step back, but a throwback, and he did fantastic, it was so cool, as he leads worship in his hope group every week, and and uh, today we're launching our first series for the year, and I, I'm so excited about this series, and back to four services, 9, 10, and 11 in the morning, and 6 p.m. with Stuart with Hope Equip tonight, which is going to be a great service, if you're not signed up to Hope Equip, I encourage you to do that, it's where our training and equipping happens, so Sunday nights, every, every Sunday night, we're going through a series of teachings, and classes and so you can get skilled in ministry and all sorts of other areas of life. So that's happening. Uh, but to, this morning we're, we're launching this new series. And I was actually hesitant uh, to make it a series because, <coughs> excuse me, the word that God gave me is so much more than just a series of messages that we could teach on for a period of time. It's not a word that we just want to do the four weeks or five weeks of messages and then move on from, but it's a word that God's given me, I believe, for our year as a church, and actually even more than that, for our decade ahead that we have in front of us. And uh, we're sensing uh, it's really a change or a shift in season for us as a church. And talking to other pastors around New Zealand and Australia or other places, uh, there's such a real sense of a fresh move of God coming to our nation and to the nations of the world. Uh, pastors are praying into that and believing that Holy Spirit's going to move in power. There's going to be fresh revival. People coming in and saying yes to Jesus, the power of God, a fresh wave of His Spirit. Revival really, truly is coming, and it's an exciting time to be alive. I'm going to get to that shortly, but let's just have a look at our key passage uh, for our series and for this morning is Isaiah 43. Uh, verse 14. This is what the Lord says, you Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. 
This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses and army of reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I've formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Pretty amazing passage of scripture, right? I'm sure you've read that before at some point in your devotional life. But this, the context for this was really a prophecy that was given to the Israelites when they were in Babylonian captivity. So they, they had been captive before and then they got free and now they found themselves in slavery again. And they were losing hope or they had lost hope that they would ever be free again. And there hasn't been a lot of activity of God and the earth. And then uh, God speaks through this prophet and gives them this word. And he starts off the, the prophecy by telling them, who he is and what he's going to do. I reckon that's a great way to start a prophecy. We want to know who God is and what he's going to do. And so this is what the Lord says, O Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down the fugitives, all the Babylonians, in the ships in which they took pride. It's a pretty powerful statement, right? For those who are living in captivity and not much hope at all, and to get a statement like this that they're going to be set free is, is a powerful statement. The problem is, that these are people who had lost hope. They are people who were living in captivity, couldn't see their way out of that. And so to get such a radical, powerful statement, it's going to be hard for them to believe. It's going to be hard for them to grab a hold of and, and for faith to capture hold of that. And so after making this statement, uh, the prophet goes on to say, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king declaring who God is. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses and the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. See here, God is building faith in his people. See, they, they may be in captivity and they may be feeling hopeless and not seeing a way forward, but, but God is reminding them who he is and what he has done before. So he's encouraging them, hey, look, you, you might not see me moving right now, but look back at your ancestors. Look what I did for them. Look at the amazing victory that they had. He's reminding them of their, their ancestors' incredible journey out of captivity and into freedom with this plagues and there was a parting of the sea and there was the chase and the race and all of that crazy stuff that we read about as they escaped the Egyptians. How often have we talked about God doing this? How often have we said to you as a church and as people, hey, you, you might be in a tough place. Hey, hey, it might be seem like you're facing an impossible situation, but can you remember who God is and can you remember what he has done for you in the past? Because as soon as we can remember who God is and what he's done for us in the past, faith begins to rise on the inside of us and we start to believe, hey, God is actually who he says he is. He is actually powerful. If he's done it before, he can do it again, right? If he's done it before, he can do it again. In fact, I believe that's a word for someone here this morning. You found your way into church and you're here maybe facing a tough situation, maybe an impossible situation, and you're lacking a bit of faith and a bit of hope in where your future lies. Listen to me. If he's done it before, he can do it again. If he's done it before, 
He can do it again. He's the God who created you. He's the God who saved you. He's the God that breathed life into you. He is all powerful. He has all authority on heaven and earth and all of heaven is backing you. If he's done it before, he can do it again. Let faith rise on the inside this morning, church, and start to believe that, that good things are coming to you. Awesome. Then, okay, verse 18. This is weird. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. But wait, what, wasn't he just telling them the former things? Wasn't he just taking a whole section of the prophecy to tell them about the former things and how great they were to build faith in the people? And yet now he's saying, hey, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past stuff. And often this verse is used to encourage people who maybe have had a bad past or a bad situation right now. And, and people say, oh, just forget about the past. It's not that great anyway. Let's just look to the future. God can do good things. Or forget that, the former things. But here, in the context of the Scripture, God's actually telling them to forget the good things that He's done. He's saying forget the past. Forget the bad things, but also forget the good, amazing, powerful things. He's saying to them, forget even about the deliverance out of Egypt. Forget even what the ancestors faced in their journey to freedom. Forget about all the plagues. Forget about the blood in the water. Forget about the parting of the sea. Forget about the miraculous power of God that was on display. Forget about the amazing story of a whole nation coming into freedom. Why? Why is he saying this? Well, the answer really is in the very next verse, verse 19. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is saying, yeah, that stuff was amazing, right? That, that was good. I, I moved powerfully and that was wonderful for your ancestors. But forget about that because I am doing something brand new for you, for you as a people. So often we tend to limit God on what we think he can do or what we've seen him do in the past. And God is here telling us this morning, hey, forget about the past. Forget about trying to put me in a box of what you think I'm going to do or how you think I have to move. No, God is a God that is limitless, right? And so there are no limitations on, on our thinking of what is possible with God. With God, there are no limits, people. Forget about what he's done in your past in your life before. The bad things, the in-between, the ugly, whatever it is, the good things. Forget about all of that stuff because God is declaring to you this morning, I am doing a new thing. Something new is coming. Now, this is really the word for us as a church for 2020. It's a simple word, new. But there's so much power attached to this word. We've had an amazing few years as a church. We've seen some awesome, amazing things. But we must not go into 2020 thinking that it's business as usual. We cannot go into this year and this decade thinking that it's going to be a repeat of 2019 or any of the previous years that we've had in this church, depending on how long you've been on the journey with us. Listen to me. God is doing a new thing, something new. New is not like the old. You know, it's actually, uh, Sarah and I celebrate five years leading Hope Chapel uh, midway through this year. It's quite a cool achievement. And uh, some studies actually say that it takes about five years for a senior leadership transition in church life for things to really get settled and underway. 
It takes that time to appoint and train your own teams and for people to connect to your heart and your vision for a sense of stability and direction to come to the church. Now, I don't think it's taken us five years. I think we've seen some amazing things happen, and we've been blessed to have incredible founding pastors, Stephen Gale, who have helped along the way. And we've seen some awesome, amazing things take place. But let me just say that Sarah and I definitely have a real sense of anticipation for what God is going to do in the next five years as a church. The last five years have been nothing short of miraculous. Yeah, we had faith of like what we'd love to see God do in five years as we took on the leadership of the church. And, but, but honestly, God has blown our mind in what, what has been achieved and what we've seen happen in people's lives and in the life of this church. Incredible, awesome. But let's just wait and see what he's going to do in the next five years. Because I know something new is coming, something powerful. And even if you've just started the journey with us in the story of Hope Chapel, welcome to the family. It's so good to have you with us and so excited that you are going to be part of our future in the next five years. It really is a miracle in motion, what God is doing, and we're excited to have you as part of that. I believe that new will permeate everything across the life of the church. We've already seen it happen, actually, in the last few months. To allow the new things of God to come, we have to be able to let go of the old. And God is up to some stuff in church life. Some of the things we've instigated, some of the things have happened in spite of us and out of our control and just, or our planning and have just happened. But God is shifting and moving and shuffling things to clear space for him to breathe new life across our church. It's exciting and it's scary all at the same time. And sometimes we just feel like we just got to hang on for the ride to see what he's going to do. But we have to be prepared to look at everything in church life and consider whether it should be part of our future, even the good stuff, the really successful stuff. Two examples of this for 2020 of things that we have done that we're no longer doing is Hope Fest and Hip Hope Kids. Both of these are incredible ministries, seen some amazing fruit. Hip Hope Kids has been run for decades, and uh, Evelyn was running it recently, and Allison was involved previously. Others have been a part of the team uh, ministering to children and parents uh, midweek here in this building. And it's been fantastic, but the season's changed. And we felt a sense of God shifting and changing and moving things. And so uh, we're talking with the team and others. It, it just settled right that, hey, yeah, celebrate how good it was and what has been achieved. But we're not going to be stuck in a rut of what has been. We're moving to what is going. And Hope Fest. Well, Hope Fest was birthed out of an idea I had to take church outside of the walls of church over Easter and be a blessing to our community and bring hope to the community. And it, it went so far beyond what we ever thought was possible. And I think the last time we ran Hope Fest, there was over 6,000 people down at the park, all getting free food and entertainment and rides and uh, all sorts of awesome things. Such a blessing to our community, such a great uh, ministry. But to resource it, to pull it off to the extent that we needed to, to keep it expanding and growing, was such a huge amount of team and resource and finances uh, and when we started critically analyzing it, the direct fruit or the lineup strategic fruit of what we believe we want to see as a church compared to the level of investment for something like that, it just didn't quite correlate for our future. Not saying that we won't ever do something like that again, but for right now. Here's an example. Holy Spirit Conference that we started last year for the first time. The amount of fruit from that 
That ministry and that conference was unbelievable. We are still unpacking that. Things like salvations and healings and miracles and people stepping into their calling and their identity and purpose and just some incredible, amazing fruit from that. And so we, we are making a Holy Spirit conference a key event for our 2020 calendar. And in fact, we're moving it forward to the middle of the year in July. We're running Holy Spirit conference again. We've got a great lineup of speakers and we're starting to make plans of what is going to happen. And we're so excited to see what is coming up. And we're taking some of the budget that we would have had or the resource needed to run Hope Fest, and we're putting it into a brand new ministry this year called Hope Helps. We don't even know exactly what it's going to look like, but the idea is that we want to have a, a tangible ministry that directly impacts the local ch- our community where our church locations are. So right now it's Hamilton and Cambridge. We want to be able to impact our community in tangible ways with wraparound support, counseling and financial help and, and uh, food supplies and just making the difference in people's lives that goes beyond running a free event once a year on Easter to give them a great time. And so we're, we're, we're directing that and helping that and seeing what God does. So those are just a couple of examples of letting go of the old to embrace the new. And you know, I was hesitant to even use these examples or changes when talking about new because this prophetic word of new is so much more, goes so far beyond just changing a few programs and tweaking a few things in church life. Uh, It's a prophetic word of a season that we are stepping into, and it's going to happen right across the church in every area and every facet. It's not just a new decade, but we're stepping into a new spiritual season. Listen to me, church. It really is a brand new day for Hope Chapel. Now, this is not just a corporate church thing either, by the way. We've been praying for you and praying for your families that, that you would see the new of God come to your world this year and this decade, that changes would come and light, new life would come to you, that you would have the faith to be able to forget the former things, even the good former things, to step into the brand new that God has for your life, that you would embrace the new for your life, for you personally and for your families. So what is the new thing that God's been whispering to you? Maybe a dream being sparked to life even this morning. Maybe just a thought or an idea. Hey, run with that. Run with it. We're, we're, we're believing this thing called new. I'm putting like hashtag new across every conversation. It's interesting. When you start looking for it, it's everywhere at the moment in this season. Like we're talking to people in church and we're like, that's new. They've never said that before. Oh, that's a new way of thinking. Oh, that's a new idea. Oh, that's a new business venture. Oh, that's a new thing. Oh, I'm going to step into that new one. And it's, it's amazing. You see it everywhere. God is just breathing newness across people's lives and across the church. It's exciting. But to really embrace this new, we have to be, re- to be ready on all levels as we keep stepping out in faith and taking risks for our personal lives. And we've got to recognize it's a change in season. That's the key. And here's the deal. We've got to be comfortable in the uncomfortable because change is not always comfortable. In fact, change really is, really is comfortable. But change is a good thing. And so we've got to embrace the change and be ready for the new. Let me just come back to my scripture, this key verse for this morning. Maybe if the band could get ready, we're going to close shortly. But on this side of history, looking back at this prophecy, we have the benefit of time to know that the prophecy did come true. So the Israelites were delivered from the Babylonians out of slavery and captivity. But here's the other thing, though. It didn't end up being as spectacular as the previous time when they got out of captivity from the Egyptians with the parting of the sea and the blood and the water and all the crazy plagues. And that was more epic. 
So, so why was God saying, forget the former things, referring to the Egyptian captivity, and that he was doing something brand new, when, when what he did actually didn't become such a crazy story as the former? Well, obviously, he was building their faith, first of all, to step into their deliverance, allowing hope to rise in their hearts again that, hey, God can move. Hey, we can get free. But here's the real deal. This prophecy was speaking on a whole other level than their current situation. See, the prophet was actually prophesying the coming of Christ to the world. He was talking about the gospel coming to earth. He was talking about Gentiles receiving salvation. He was talking about Jesus Christ ministering to humanity across the ages. That's what this prophecy is about. See, they'd seen God come through and passed in big ways, but that was going to pale into insignificance. It was going to be nothing compared to what was coming, the name and the person of Jesus, who was God, come as a man to come and save humanity and to bring life into people's hearts. This is why this prophecy is still relevant today. It's not a prophecy that was just for the Israelites when they were in Babylonian captivity. It wasn't just a prophecy for that context and that time and that place. This prophecy is just as real, just as relevant, and just as powerful for you today in 2020, sitting in the 11 a.m. service at Hope Chapel. Just as powerful. Because it transcends time, just as Jesus does. It's timeless. So today... At the start of 2020, this brand new decade, let me prophesy this over your life this morning. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's for you this morning, for your life this morning. I'm declaring that God is healing relationships this morning. New freshness coming to relationships. New freshness coming to families this morning. That God is bringing new ideas and thoughts to your future, your financial world. That God is bringing newness to your experience of freedom and revelation, that God is bringing newness to your bodies, to your mind, to your spirit, to your soul, and newness in all areas and all ways. That's what we are declaring over you this morning. You know, streams in the wasteland, it's really speaking of a new move of God across God's people. And more and more, I believe that this new that God is signaling is not about new ideas, And it's not about new programs or new initiatives. I believe that new is an awakening of the people of God to the things of God. I believe that new is a fresh move of the Spirit of God in our church. I believe that new is a fresh touch of the power of God in our midst. Of dry bones coming alive again, like nothing we've ever seen before. 
I am going after the new of God in our church. I can declare to you this morning that we're hungrily going after His new. We're digging ditches and plowing ground and praying into declaring that we are going to see a fresh move of the power of the Holy Spirit across our church like we've never seen before. I'm tired of just programs and I'm tired of trying to motivate people to come to church or to serve in church or give finances to the church. I don't want to lead a church that falls into the trap of going through the motions and riding on the success of the last five years. But we don't want to just maintain what we've built in the last five years. We're determined to keep taking ground, to keep pushing forward, to keep seeing more people coming into the house of God and into relationship with Jesus. I don't want to run a comfortable Christian club for people to belong to. But I've got my work boots on and we're going after something. We're plowing ground and we're pushing forward and we're moving on, declaring the new across Hope Chapel in all locations and all future locations and everything that God, we're putting our hand to, we're believing that God is going to bring the the word prophetically of new into those situations. I believe that we're entering into a time in this decade where the power of God is going to fall on the earth in a fresh way where the passion of God's people is going to build powerfully, where people will be sold out to the call of God for their lives and for their families, where people will be so impacted by the power of God that life change just happens. New is revival. New is revival. And we're declaring and prophesying and speaking revival across our church and in the midst of your family and your home. In Jesus' Name. You know, I... I'm going to talk more about the move of the Holy Spirit and about what we can do to help cultivate it and position ourselves for revival later on in this series. But as we close this morning, would you stand to your feet? I would love to pray for you. Maybe just everyone can close your eyes and block out distraction. Let's have a moment with God this morning. Before we pray into the the new, I just want to ask if there's anyone here this morning, there's a number in the 9am that if you found your way to church and maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before, maybe maybe you've never really experienced the new and the fact of new life that comes when Jesus enters your world. Maybe you've never been able to say yes to Jesus and ask for forgiveness of the the sins of your past and step into a new freedom. Or, Or maybe you have at one point, but if you're honest with yourself and honest with me this morning, you'd say, I'm not really living in that new anymore. I've slipped, I've walked away. I'm not experiencing new life like I'm supposed to. Or or maybe this morning you have done that, but you just need to be assured of your salvation, of your eternity, that you're going to have new life with Jesus for eternity. With no one looking around, all heads bowed and eyes closed, we want to give an opportunity because I know that there's people here this morning that need to step back into relationship with Jesus, whether for the first time, whether you need to recommit your life or whether you need to be assured of your salvation. What I'm going to ask you to do is just be really brave and put your hand up for me. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to bring you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to include you in a prayer. So if that's you this morning, you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you have, but you've walked away and you need to come back into a relationship, or you need to be 100% certain of your salvation, would you put your hand up nice and high so I can see it? Thank you. That's fantastic. Who else? Who else? You need to say yes to Jesus this morning. Somebody else. You need to get your life right with Him. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. This is your opportunity to step into that new freedom 
that is promised to us. Somebody else, you need to say yes to Jesus this morning. I'll give you another 20 seconds or so. I really feel there's somebody else that needs to do that this morning to get your life right with Him. You'll know it's you. Your heart's racing and you're like, oh, I should just do this. You know, it's the greatest decision you could ever make to get your life right with Him. Receive His grace. Somebody else, you need to step into the new that Jesus can bring. Well, that's fantastic. You know, we just Jesus is just a prayer away. All we have to do is pray it. A prayer, it's not even about the prayer or the words, it's the heart response. We just find that a prayer often helps us to articulate what our heart is feeling. And so maybe we'll just all pray together just a few simple words. And if you responded this morning, then you pray this prayer and get your life right with Jesus. Church, let's all pray this together. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to save my life. Jesus, I invite you in. I ask for forgiveness for all my sins and I choose to follow after you for the rest of my life. I make you Lord and Saviour. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and I receive His power now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's please those people a huge round of applause. Fantastic. Best decision of your life. Now, as we close, can I pray for the new for your life. Can we do that? Can we prophesy the newness and the freshness of God over your life? Why don't you lift your hands to heaven and let me pray for you. You apply this to your life. God, we choose as a people this morning to forget the former things. Lord, we step in to the new that you are doing, the streams in the wasteland. Lord, we pray for the faith for every person that is in this building this morning to be hungry for the newness of God. Lord, we speak new over every family, over every life, over every person in the name of Jesus. God, even as I'm praying, Lord, I pray that you would spark new dreams and new ideas into people's hearts and lives. Lord, that people would step up in faith on the inside and start to believe that the new day is better, that this decade ahead is gonna be incredible. Lord, we, we, we push back from the past decade and we step into the 20s and Lord we thank you that you are doing a brand new thing and God as a church we are hungry for streams in the wasteland Lord we're hungry for your power and your presence to fall like it never has before and so Lord we go after that in the name of Jesus Lord we're hungry for your power for your power of your Holy Spirit to, to fill this house to fill lost people to touch this city and Lord we pray that, that we would have the confidence as leadership to keep pressing on to keep pushing forward, to keep embracing the new and to trust you with our future and as our source. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honour. Come on, church, let's give them some praise this morning. Jesus, we praise your name. We thank you, Lord.